Hello, Will Yeoman, and welcome to another episode of The Pod Well Travelled, where I'm joined today by travel editor Stephen Scarfield and travel writer and photographer Moens Johansson. Gentlemen, welcome back to The Pod. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks very much, Will. Should I have said inside The Pod, in The Pod? But it's a pod, yeah. like a pod hotel, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it sort of is, Rad. Yeah. Look, later on, we're going to have our aviation editor, Jeffrey Thomas, um, on the show with the latest aviation news. And it's actually really exciting, some of the stuff he's going to talk about. But I won't preempt that. Um, some stuff's been happening for us. I'm not that long back from Albany. And these guys are not long back from their latest photo walk. So maybe first of all, how did it go this time around? Yeah, it went well. Uh, we had uh, two sessions this uh, or last last sunday and uh you know full a full house on both sex uh, sessions uh, so it was really good uh started in the supreme court gardens and then over at uh, cathedral square across the uh, terrace there uh, so there's lots of variety and uh, lots of tips and experiences shared mm, mm. there was a great little moment because you know moans does this wonderful um introduction you know talking about composition and tools that can be used you know in composition and then we sort of run through some of the buttons on the phones it was a great moment towards the end where i was there with um, a couple of our guests and who were photographing the uh, little wet footprints that seagulls had walked through a puddle oh yes yes i thought wow it's pretty amazing in two hours that you've come you know in a place that you know so well that they they got their eye in so much they were looking reflections in windows and footprints and this and that in in your home city. Yeah, it shows that you've kind of switched another part of your brain on, which is what you know you trigger with those um, with those techniques. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you know in particular this week, I think uh, both the groups we took along they were sort of really uh, really onto that quite quite quickly, weren't they? You know, uh, so, sort of moved beyond the. Uh, the, the technical stuff in the phone and uh, onto sort of actually taking really nice looking pictures. Yeah, it's amazing. But you can be in a park that you sort of know and, a, you know, buildings that you know looking with a whole fresh eye. So I really saw that. It was very mm. exciting. I really enjoyed mm. our sessions on Sunday. Yeah, great. Yeah, great. Fantastic. So um, I want to talk about Albany because I was recently there as a guest of the new um, Hilton Garden in Albany. I believe it's the first Hilton Garden in for Australia, actually, if, if not Australasia. Stephen, tell us a bit about the Hilton Garden Inn brand. Well, it's, I, it's they, you know, even though the business travel will stay there, it is a sort of leisure brand. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, within these companies, Hilton has Doubletree and Indeed. Garden and yes. whatever else. So they've just got a kind of, I think it comes through an attitude and, and that goes right. The fundamental of that is in their training, of course, and the way they present the hotel. Mm, mm. But you would have found it to be what smart casual? Oh, totally smart is that, casual. Is immediately, that the word? Yeah, the exactly. Phrase? Yeah. No, no, I think you're right. Uh, immediately, as you walk into the foyer, you, you look around, you think, well, this has got a great attention to detail. It's comfortable. It's not overwhelming. Staff are very friendly, but not overbearing. So I think it's that, it's that sense of balance as well. Mm. And, and the, the, the perfect kind of hotel, I think, for a place like Albany. It's so interesting what goes into a startup like this, isn't it? Because that's a new hotel. Exactly. And so just training people to present them, as, as you say, they're friendly but not overbearing. Mm. And that's a particular kind of technique in making, giving you that atmosphere. No, absolutely. So comfortable? Oh, definitely comfortable. Yeah. Right and, down um, on the Princess Harbour. Yeah, I was going to say, it's right next to the entertainment centre. So you're looking out over, over the bay and the marina and so forth. And you, from the fourth floor, which is the, the top floor in terms of the rooms, I think it's five stories in, in total, 
108 guest rooms. You can see out into the waters and you can just watch people getting their coffees down below. And, um, you know, just it's really like if you, even if you're just into people watching, it's quite nice to sit on the, the couch, uh, the window seat, as they call it, <laughs> and just relax and just watch the world go by. You know, yeah. it's, it's really lovely. Yeah. One of the world's best natural harbours. Is that it's true? Extra- well, it's extraordinary because yes. it has that deep channel entry mm-hmm. between the two granite sort of granite headland the Tawndra Peninsula and then the mainland just amazing you can't see it I've sailed past on the ocean several many times and you can you can pretty well not oh, see it fantastic. from the ocean it's incredible I mean the other good thing too is the first couple of days at least were very clear and you could see right across to the wind farms in the distance you know on the horizon so you could the the the, the distances you can actually see are incredible even though it's not incredibly high from from the fourth floor uh, and also, it, it's so centrally located. You're in this beautiful, you know, location, and yet it's only mm. a few minutes walk across that footbridge into the centre of town, really, you know, and mm. up York Street. And um, it's just everywhere you need to go within that area is pretty much within easy walking distance. Yeah. Um, if not, then you just grab a bus or, a, mm. you know, um, an Uber or whatever. Mm. They've got Ubers in Albany, haven't they? I should, should check yep. that. I don't know. So did you get up to the Anzac Centre? I did. Oh, tell oh, us about that. Just gorgeous, yeah. I mean, But you've been there before, Will. Well, this is the thing. Not, many listeners won't believe this, but apart, and I joke about this in the story which we're running this weekend. We are running it this weekend, aren't we? We are. Indeed, the Saturday's West. Um, it was half a century, more than half a century, since I'd been to Albany, but I was, I was only a small child and we're only passing through. So in reality, this is probably my first time ever to Albany. For for West Australian to say that, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? You only look 30. It doesn't even make sense. He's very kind, isn't he? On radio, radio, you can get away with all sorts of things. Yeah, that's definitely a face for radio. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Yes, indeed. Stephen's a master at the uh, the, the, you know, the, the double-edged compliment. Um, (laughs) But getting back to your original uh, question, yes, the the, um, National Anzac Centre and and the uh, Princess Royal Fortress – in, in that sort of national park area there. So it's on top of what, Mount Clarence? And what's the other? Yep. Uh, they're sort of joined, aren't they? There are two, effectively two hills or two mountains that That's are right. co-joined. But anyway, right. um, I'm sure many listeners will have been there already, but um, it's just a beautiful atmospheric place and the right balance between traditional uh, restoration and museum artifact, you know, curation and the, the absolute latest in high-tech installations and museum experiences, which means they capture the stories, they capture the audiences, and they capture the range of experiences with, with basically with what they've got to hand. And, and I'm just really thoroughly impressed. Mm. You know. yeah, it is it's, a very it's, impressive... Uh, it is, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It's clever because they humanise it, I think. That, exactly. You, know, you can follow an individual story, an individual person's story through the whole whole museum so you get a character and you can follow them absolutely and i had the good fortune to be in the company of uh, private gordon Naley. He, he was actually born in a station just out of eucla in western australia but had to go to adelaide to enlist i'm assuming that's the main sort of center for enlistment yeah. in yeah. those yeah. days yeah that would have made um, sense so part indigenous and um so again interesting to have an, an indigenous um soldier to go on this journey with you and he did not he was not killed which was a sort of a good news story he managed to come home, married, had six children. 
which is a beautiful thing. Maybe it's a, I, should, I should have said well, spoiler alert because you don't well. actually find out that until the end of your journey. Yep. But yeah, you're issued with these little cards, aren't you? Yeah. And as you walk through the ex- exhibits, you just put them down in these little readers. They're like sort of QR codes. And all these documents and voices and stories and photographs come up telling you about that stage in the soldier's mm. journey from enlistment right through to discharge. Yeah, in it's, some cases, it's very death. clever because they can be impersonal can't they um, museums of this nature can be impersonal they tell the story but not the individual story so it's very clever and i think just to go back to that moment when you look out over the the, the harbour mouth and out into the you know along the coast there which is where the ships are massed you know where the troop carriers were anchored up ready to go you know it yeah, sort of brings the place to oh, i think i think that's uh, that's one of the emo- most amazing bits about that museum is that you can uh, uh, really visualize that that moment in history when all these ships were amassed out in the harbor because you're standing there looking out over it you've got reference points you can mm. you can see you know exactly where all these this whole fleet were were at the time you know so it's it's really well thought out the whole thing isn't oh, it? i think so too and and they haven't forgotten the natural environment because there are nature walks and bike trails and all sorts of things you can do when i first arrived there was a, a group there being led by a volunteer you know so it's an outdoor experience as well as very much an indoor experience too and mustn't forget mention of the garrison the cafe and restaurant there which is just incredible it's good isn't it yeah it's really funky. So i mean good. all through albany the you know food produce i mean you know the local food and coffee with, and with which they showcase good. Yeah. yeah and um i had dinner sort of quite early-ish about five-ish uh once the museum had closed and so forth but by the time i was ready to leave it was absolutely heaving just absolutely heaving it just and the sunset is stunning and you flew down yes with with rex yeah wow. um hour and ten minutes there and back. That's, Why would you drive? That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> cheap too. I can't remember the exact price. It's what's two hundred and something. Two hundred yeah. something. Yeah. So yeah. it's really you've got to think well. And as I mentioned in my story, there were a lot of people that were just doing the day trip, which is perfectly reasonable. Mm. Mm. Don't so, really think of that, but it's a good idea. So what is it like a three? Is it a three-hour drive? I don't know how long it takes oh, to maybe even. Everyone says it's four, but it's a bit long. It's, it's, four. it's four plus. So okay, yeah. four plus. Four so and half, four and a half. If you want the drive experience, as many of us do, then by all means, yeah. I mean, I, I drove to Esperance not that long ago. Before this, yep. it was a similar kind of drive, I guess. Um, a bit longer though. Um, That's a pretty much full day to Esperance. Yeah, yeah. So, but otherwise, fine is the way to mm. go, and mm. very comfortable. Yeah, yeah, great idea. Amazing. Well, we've led into Jeffrey rather nicely, haven't we? With we have indeed. Airline discussion, we have indeed. so perhaps so we better let's hear from hand over now. to him. Okay, it's that part of the show where we welcome back our aviation editor, Jeffrey Thomas, with all the latest aviation news. Jeffrey, welcome back to the pod. Well travelled. Thank you. Lots of lots happening. Lots, lots happening. happening. Lots to talk about. We've got the delay of the Perth to London direct flight. We've got uh, an update on Finnair and an update on Bonza. Sounds pretty mm. bonza. Yeah. So what can you tell us? Yep, absolutely. So let's rock off with the uh, Perth, London. And uh, unfortunately, because of the border situation, uh, Qantas has decided to, uh, and needs to, obviously, delay the reintroduction of the uh, Perth to London nonstop. Uh, instead of transiting through Perth, the flight originates in Melbourne. Instead of transiting through Perth, it'll continue to transit through Darwin mm. uh, until about mid-June, um, and they'll review the situation at the end of April uh, to see whether any further extension of that uh, uh, routing needs to be uh, undertaken. Okay, well, as you say, not unexpected. That, that was a popular route, wasn't it? 
Oh, look, absolutely. Uh, it's a very popular route. Uh, it was the flagship for Qantas. It was their most profitable route. Uh, load factor overall of 92% uh, and in premium cabins, 94%. So it was very well supported, particularly out of Western Australia. So the loads out of Western Australia were, were uh, most of the passengers were from Western Australia. So it was it was very much uh, supported by by the local community here. Um and uh, but you know, with with the current restrictions, um, it just it's just not viable. Uh, there just isn't the traffic, obviously. So uh, the, the airline's got to put it off. Mm, Stephen, you were one of those users, weren't you? Yes, yes, and of course, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, West Australians, you know, having to make other arrangements and postponements um, at mm. the moment. But we are, I think, we are really feeling the build-up of border change coming. You know, and we're reading daily stories about um, the border becoming less relevant let's put it like that so but it'd be very frustrating for those who are booked onto those flights between now and june mm. oh look i agree with you Stephen. i think that the uh, border opening is going to be certainly much sooner than later uh, but Qantas has got to take a long-term view of this um, and they've got to make commitments to Darwin Airport and, and crewing and all sorts of things so mm. their crew can make decisions about uh, what they do and don't do. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a long-term situation or medium-term situation for them. But uh, uh, reading the tea leaves, uh, I, I absolutely agree with you. It's going to be much sooner than later for, the, for a reopening. Yeah, and it's slightly frustrating when we're talking here and, you know, sort of towards getting towards the end of February or mid-late February. And, you know, if we had another date for March, then that may not have had to have happened. Look, indeed, indeed. And, uh, you know, the government's in a very difficult situation at the moment and uh, trying to navigate through this uh, this Omicron nightmare. Um, but, uh, look, you know, I think by, uh, I think by June, July, uh, it's going to be business as usual, uh, I think. Uh, and we also have learned recently, in fact, the last week, that the United Kingdom has now removed all quarantine and testing requirements uh, for uh, those who are fully vaccinated uh, inbound. So that's good news uh, for travellers uh, when it does resume. Mm. Now, Geoffrey, tell us about this Finnair upgrade because that's just wonderful. It looks amazing, the seats and so on. And the food? Yes. Food looks incredible. Will jumps in and the food. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Finnair is a real class operation. Uh, It it always has been. Of course, people would say, well, they don't fly to Perth. No, they don't. But uh, what you do is you you fly with Qantas uh, out of Perth to Singapore. They're one world partners. And you pick up Finnair in Singapore and then uh, nonstop on to uh, Helsinki and then to Northern Europe. A very, very good operation. I mean, uh, basically a perfect safety record, a class operation on board. Uh, and yes, they've had a terrific makeover and they've, they've got this gorgeous new uh, business class seat, which is more like a sofa. Um, and you sort of do your own thing in your little, uh, well, not little, it's quite big actually, in your space. Uh, gorgeous colours, uh, um, uh, beautiful colour palette um, uh, from the... the, the, the uh, Finnish design house, Marameco, uh, who have been partners with Finnair for quite some time. It's about a $300 million investment uh, on their A350s and A330 Airbus airplanes. And uh, one of the interesting things, which is really uh, important, I think, is they've introduced um, premium economy. 
Uh, they've been a little bit late to that, uh, but you know, better late than never. Uh, they're on board with it, and they've got a great premium economy product. Um, and uh, they've also given their economy class uh, a real makeover. So uh, all in all, um, it'll be a very, very swish operation mm. once that upgrade is complete. And it'll take about uh, two years to, to complete, and the first aircraft has already been done. So um, if, you know, if you're travelling to Northern Europe, it's certainly an airline that should be on your radar. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's not necessarily on on the radar, which is a <laughs> fabulously aeronautical term. But um, you know, we've been working with them. I'll just add on the side: we've been working with them. Uh, we're partnering on a, a travel club tour, and we're actually using flying with Finnair next year. Um, for we, we're then going to do a voyage from Norway to Iceland. But working with them has been an absolute treat. They're just really, really good to work with. And it's opened up my mind to all those routes into, as you say, Jeff, into a different way into Northern mm. Europe. Um, and I think it's something that we're, we're kind of keen that the audience has in their mind. Indeed. It's, it's a real class operation and discerning travellers have been sort of saying, well, guess what, I, I don't fly with this airline or that airline, I got finished. Um, and because, because they do offer a really crackerjack product and uh, super efficient and, uh, as we mentioned, uh, a fabulous network through Finland, Norway, Sweden, well, they cover Northern Europe really, really well. Mm. And Northern Europe, um, as we know, is becoming a, a, a really... Uh, sought after destination for uh, for Western Australians. Absolutely. Now, thinking about things not on the radar, Western Australia is not mm-hmm. on the radar for the newest airline, Bonza, is it? It's a bypass WA and it's planned to launch 25 services to 16 destinations, according to your story on the West.com this morning. Yes. Uh, look, that's a fascinating story. Mm. Uh, they do promise to come to WA as soon as we sort our border out. Um, Here for all, all Australia, I believe their motto is. Yeah, all, all Australia is their is mm. their um, is their uh, is their motto, and and please explain is yes, <laughs> we intend to fly all over Australia, including Tasmania, South Australia, Northern Territory, and Western Australia. Um, but interestingly enough, it may not be to Perth. It mm. may be you know it may be to Bustleton, Margaret River, to the Sunshine Coast, or it might be Broome to Adelaide. And this is one of the Mount Bonds. Uh, Bonza has uh, announced 25 routes to 16 destinations. Those 16 destinations, only one of them is a capital city. That's Melbourne. Mm. Uh, their base is the Sunshine Coast. And um, 80% of the routes they've announced, 80% of those 25 routes, have no airline on them at all. Um, and 96% of the routes they've announced have no low-cost carrier. So essentially... Uh, there's only one route, I think, that has a uh, has a low cost carrier at the moment. All the rest are either unserved or or uh, have a have a legacy airline. So, so, so really what, interesting places. So what you're saying is they're basically complementing what regional airlines like Rex already does, rather than being direct competitors. Yes, they're they're, they're carving out a brand new market, which mm. is what an airline in the United States called Allegiant has done spectacularly well. They've just flown to places no one else wants to fly and connected them. Um, so all of a sudden, people in Mildura have got options. People in Albury have got options they've never had before. And the list goes on. And that's what they want to do right across the country. That's their entire business model. And it's not a daily service. It's not twice daily. It's not three times daily. It's twice a week or three times a week. Um, and it's, it's really totally focused on leisure travellers. 
But the other thing they promised too, it's not going to be a low-cost operation from from a product point of view. Mm. They're really going to option it up so you can get, you know, some good quality champagne. You can get all sorts of really nice things on board for a really nice experience for your holiday. Um, and, uh, you know, twice a week to a destination like Broome is plenty, um, you know, from, a, from say, a place like Adelaide. So it's, it's a very, very interesting um very, very interesting uh, airline concept, been proven overseas, and what's more, their backers, Triple Seven Partners, based in Miami, have got over seventy aeroplanes on order for this airline and and one other they that they operate in Canada. Um, so they've got some very substantial backing. So it looks uh, it looks like a brand new sort of operation for Australia and very exciting. It does sound very exciting. Well, look, Jeffrey, it's been a pleasure having you on the show as always. Thank you so much for uh, joining the dots in the latest aviation news and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Pleasure. Yeah, well, some interesting news, isn't there? And I mean, it's it's a pity that the more more positive news is the kind of news with Finnair that doesn't affect us so much, whereas the, the London to Perth and the Bonza is something that's not so great for us. Yes, but look, you know, my mind now, honestly, is on, you know, August, September. You know, when we're coming into spring, you know, I think the whole world's going to look pretty different to us by then. Right. We're going to go through what we're going to go through over the next couple of months. Mm. And then, you know, winter, this whole June, July thing, I say, I think spring's going to be a whole shift in attitude here. And all those things will be so relevant that we'll be mm. we'll be in a much happier place. Here's mm. hoping. <laughs> One can only hope so. Yeah. Well, gents, it's been great talking to you both as always. Um, let's see what this week brings before we get together again next week. Look forward to it. Yeah, thanks, Will. Mm.